today I, I, I want to share with you a message that is called, Where Are You? Where are you? If you're taking notes, you can write that down. I want to just talk about deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. Next week, I'm going to talk about how. And this week, I want to talk about some of the things that are in the way of us having a thriving and growing relationship with Christ. It's really important. I I mean, really, one of the things that we need to do is come back to our love for Jesus. And I don't think that's just sort of a once a year or once every five-year call. I think that's an everyday call. To be in love with Jesus. We're here. We signed up for this because we love him. And so what is it that's stopping us from developing a passionate relationship with the one that we love so much? And I want to talk to you about about that this morning because this is really what we want, is a growing, passionate relationship with Jesus. Just as a side note, I wanted to mention this. Pastor Chris has been talking a little bit about spiritual warfare. And I know we've gotten a lot out of that. It's been a, a somewhat of a focus not because we like to do that, but it just, as the beginning of the year unfolded, we leaned that way. We, we sensed that it was important to talk about that. But the more we've been talking about spiritual warfare, the more I've realized that warfare in our life is amplified, in my opinion, or it's, it subsides based on the relationship with God that we have and cultivate. The enemy has access to us in greater ways when we're not close with God. In God is peace and in God is joy. I mean, not perfect life, but in God is everything that we need to walk the the, the life that we've been given to walk. And some things that should merely just irritate us actually become a stronghold in our life because we're not, in fact, right now walking closely with the Lord. Jesus has made a way for everybody to come into this and walk with him. And we can be be as close to God as we want to be. All right. It's totally legal for you to say amen or give me some of that or I like what you're saying. And There's a special email, email address for those that don't like what I'm saying. It's called chris at I'm not sure dot org. <laughs> where the, I don't know where it goes. But. So I, I, I mean, I want to have a deeper relationship with Christ. And I want to recognize that there are things that are in the way of of having that. Jesus is, for those of us that have believed upon Jesus, he's reconnected our relationship with the Father. Okay, But that doesn't automatically mean that we're close with him um, in the life that we're living. We can be. The relationship has been connected, but the the connection, although been connected, the relationship really is dependent on our stewardship. There's something that we have to do in walking with him that's very, very important. As, you, as we really just kind of bear this out, would you go ahead and turn to, if you have a Bible, Genesis chapter 3. Pastor Chris, uh, I thought was going to steal my message two weeks ago. I was a little nervous because I was already preparing. and He actually talked about the first part of Genesis chapter 3, and I'm, I'm only going to reference the second part of it. But as you look at Genesis chapter 3, what's happened prior to this is the creation account. That's what we call it. God created everything, the heavens and the earth, and he created the plant life and vegetation and animals and all sorts of things, the sun, the moon, the stars. You see it in Genesis 1 and 2. And then he creates man, he creates woman, and he gives them a command. He says, I want you to subdue the earth. He places them in a garden, and I want you to multiply the earth. These are the things that he asked them to do. And he wanted them to do it in relationship with him. That's sort of the key. And 
And when you know, God puts this tree in the middle of the garden. We know it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, I, you can have everything, subdue everything. I want you to rule over everything. I want you to, as we're in relationship together, and I want you to multiply the earth, but I, you can't eat from this tree. It's that darn tree. And he puts the tree in the middle of the garden and says, you can have everything, but this command of abstinence, don't eat from this tree. And in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy comes. It's the introduction of, of Satan via serpent. And he comes to tempt Adam and Eve to do what God told them not to do. I'm just going to begin to read in verse 1. I'm going to read to verse 13. You'll have to breathe a few times during my reading. It says this, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, eat from it, or touch it, or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate as well. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. If you have a Bible, you should under, underline that. The first thing that happens, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? It's the title of our message this morning, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you, oh, we'll talk about it, oh, we'll talk about it. I felt, the, I felt the nudge already in there. I felt just. Yes. And I lost my place, of course. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It's interesting, the story, this story... Prior to this, men and women, they had, Adam and Eve had relationship with God. They walked in the garden together. God was teaching them. He was speaking to them. Hey, this is a tree, and hey, this is the sun. And God would speak to them. He would tell them what things were. He was their teacher. This was relationship. It was beautiful. We have very small picture of what it was truly like. I, I would love to know more about it. We only have just a little. But this Genesis chapter 3, when the enemy comes and they listen to his solicitation to sin, they take the temptation and they eat from the tree. This is where relationship with God was severed. We turn from listening to the voice of God and we begin to listen to a stranger. This is where relationship was severed because of the choice that we made. Now we know this moment isn't the final say and I wanna say that up front because the plan of God was to send Jesus and when God the Father sent the Son and the Son came, he gave his life, his death, burial, resurrection, speaks a new word and a reconciliation to relationship for all those who believe. That is the truth. Amen. Amen. So as I look at this passage, 
especially to those of you that are Christian this morning, we look at that as the great fall. We look at that as the fall of man. That's, that's the big sin. But I, I want to say to you, and I want to sort of just strongly kind of persuade you that what we see about this passage isn't just the great fall. You also see the same cycles that sever our relationship with God today. There's insight in this passage that we often overlook. There's things here that I think we still do today, even though we have relationship with God through Jesus Christ, even though we have been reconciled. I still think that there's things that you can find in here that draw us away from God instead of draw us near. And we don't have to shrink back anymore. We don't have to hide in the bushes anymore. We don't need God to come looking for us saying, where are you? Because we're, we're in his presence. He lives in us and we abide in him. We don't need that anymore. And yet sometimes we still shrink back. And we need to look into this passage and see if there, there's anything that would help us to avoid the distance and rather draw near to God. That's the, that's the goal. Draw near to God. Do you believe that everything in life comes out of, everything good in life comes out of an intimate, developing, growing relationship with God? Everything good in life comes from life himself. The most valuable thing that we can do is spend time with God. Some folks think it's like a waste of time. You're just praying all the time. You know, I think we say that when we don't pray at all. Our actions are, are, are not going to be very successful spiritually unless the spirit is behind them and involved in them. Got a lot to say there, but I'll just keep going. I want to look at just a few things. I want to pull out some sort of categorical points and say some stuff as I work through this passage. And the first one, first thing I want to say is God knows where we are. I'm asking you this morning prophetically, where are you? And as I do that, I want to say this to you God knows where we are, He knows absolutely. Where we are, Adam and Eve were tempted, they sinned, they experienced automatic shame by realizing that they were naked. It says their eyes were open, the first thing that they knew was that they were naked, they were exposed. Sort of a weird thing to imagine, really, uh, honestly. And in their shame, they did two things that we still do today. They covered themselves, it says they covered themselves with fig leaves, and then they hid themselves from God. I think we do the same thing today in just different ways. Here's the problem, though. God knows what we do, and God knows where we are. It's, he's not, you don't want to play hide-and-seek with God. All right? It's not a fun game. <laughs> There's really nowhere you can hide that he doesn't know, right? Psalms even says that. Where can I go away from your presence, right? Didn't David say that in the Psalms? I could go to the deepest part of the ocean. There you are. Don't play hide-and-seek with God. It's this sort of strange thing that sin does, right? We, we disobey, we sin, and then we automatically go away. We automatically go away from the one we need to draw near to. It's what shame will do to us. That's what shame does. We feel terrible. We feel horrible. We know we did something we shouldn't have done. And instead of coming to God, knowing that he's good, knowing that he wants to cover us, knowing that he wants to protect us, knowing that he wants to reconcile us, this is God the Father. This is the love of God. Knowing that this is who he is, we lose sight of what he's really like. And we go into the bushes and we hide, but you can't hide. See, it's, it's this deception that happens. God comes and, and he goes through the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Did Adam and Eve think for a moment that they could hide from God or somehow he wouldn't notice their new clothes? <laughs> I don't think they were designer clothes, but nonetheless, 
Shame was a result of their choice, not a reflection of God's character or his heart towards them. Who is God and what is God like? That is the question. Who is God and what is God like? We clothe our shame today with man-made solutions when the only thing that will really change us is God himself. Coming into the presence of the Lord. They hid from the presence of the Lord. We need to come into the presence of the Lord. Our actions reflect how we see God. They absolutely do. God didn't come to shame them. He came to clothe them. See, but shame drew them away, and they weren't thinking that. They weren't seeing that. God came to clothe them. How do we know that? That's exactly what he does at the end of Genesis chapter 3. It says that he made coverings for them. He made coverings for them. This is what he wanted, this is what he wanted to do. And this morning, one of the questions that we should ask is, what are we, what are we hiding behind in our relationship with God? Now, I just want to ask you, before we check out and before we answer these questions with just these real simple sort of bird's eye view, without even considering any depth, let's answer the question honestly. Where are we in our relationship with God? He's not called us to a religion. He's not called us to performance because we're not good at it, clearly. He's called us to relationship where we work this thing out with him and we listen to his heart and we do what he's saying and we follow him the best that we can and as, as sort of fragmented as it is, as, as all the problems that we may have along the way, but we're followers and we're following him and we're seeking to do whatever it is that he's calling us to do. And the thing we need to ask ourselves honestly is where are we? Not with guilt, because guilt is the thing that draws us away, but, but knowing who God is, knowing that he's a good father, knowing he wants to reconcile us, knowing that he loves us more than anybody else, more than anything we can fathom, knowing the love of God, where are we really? Are we in his presence? Are we coming into his presence? Is it a joy to be with the Lord? Is it what we desire when we wake up in the morning? We, this is a question we've got to answer. Do we want God more than anything else? As I was thinking about this message, I was thinking, of course it would be Super Bowl Sunday. It's like every, do you know every year I speak on Super Bowl Sunday? It's the truth. And I always got something like this where I'm just, I, I never like, I don't call anybody out. I call people up. There's a big difference. And I think it, the difference lies in how we see God. Because I see him as a good father. Every time God calls me out, he's really calling me up and I know what he's doing. Thank you that you don't leave me where, where I am, God. Thank you that you don't leave me where I am. So grateful. What are we hiding behind? Is there anything that we're hiding behind? What are the bushes of our life that we're hiding behind, right? The shame draws us towards and the Lord looks at us and says, where are you? The second thing, God wants us to know where we are. He knows where we are, but he wants us to know where we are. See, he didn't ask the question to Adam and Eve, where are you, because he didn't know. <laughs> he already knew. He asked the question, where are you, because he wanted them to know. For whatever reason, you lo they lost track that they're in the bushes and covering themselves, and God's going to come, and God's going to ask them the question. He's going to confront them in his love, and he's going to do that. That's obviously what he does. So when he says to them, where are you, it was to help them see where they were. He knows where, he knows where we all are, but he does want us to know as well. 
He's relentless at helping us understand, not to point further guilt and shame, but so that we can do what we need to do with where we are. See, it's important for us. The illustration is, like, let's just say like a friend calls you and they're on, your, on their way to your house for a Super Bowl party. <laughs> they're on their way and they give you a call and they say, hey, I'm lost. And the first question, which seems sort of counterintuitive, at least as I'm saying it right now, the first question that you ask them is, where are you? And some people make fun of that. But we're not, it seems counterintuitive. It's not, because what we're really asking is, where are you right this moment so that I can help you get where you need to go? See, if you can tell me where you are, I can help you get where I am. So the reason that I'm asking you where you are isn't to reaffirm that you're lost, which you've already told me. It's to help establish a point at which I can begin to guide you. That's what he was asking them. He's saying, where are you? Because he wanted them to know so that he could help them where he wanted them to go. Adam tells God that he was afraid, so he hid. And God asked him, who told you that you were naked? He's not questioning him because he doesn't know. He's trying to help Adam see again what he did. Adam says, I hid because I was naked. And it wasn't about him being naked. It was about him sinning. See how he pushes it off? I hid I hid because I was naked. Clearly, you wouldn't want to see that. He's like, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. You know? I mean, it's like, he's not asking him to tell him something about, I, I hid because I was naked. It's not about you being, it's about you sinning. I want to deal with that. I want you to see what you did. I want, to see, I want you to see the disobedience so we can deal with that in, in the light. I, I often ask people this question. I say, hey, how are you doing? And I know it's a little unfair to expect sort of a deep, realistic answer in the Starbucks drive-thru, okay? How are you doing? Good, good, yeah, 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 I'm gr- yes, good, family's good, daughter's good, son's good, everybody's good, work's good, 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 good. And then I ask the question, well, how are you doing with the Lord? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, doing with the Lord. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying. <laughs> That's what I hear a lot. The two different answers, okay? Now, to be fair, I shouldn't expect and don't expect everybody to have these deep spiritual answers in 30 seconds, okay? But I do think that there's a reality, at least culturally, in, in the church even, there's a reality that we don't always know where we are spiritually. Like, we're not, we're not in the light about it. Like, I'm really not doing well with God. I'm not close to God right now. I haven't been for 20 years. I mean, it's, 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 like, it's like somehow we, we cover ourselves and somehow we, we deceive ourselves and somehow we act like we're somewhere that we're not. I know this sounds, it's almost like you could take this and put a little more guilt on where you are, but in our shame and in our distance with God, even though Jesus has brought us back, even though Jesus has reconciled us and, and done everything to establish deep connection that we can have with him, even though he's done that, we didn't have to do it, we just received from that, it's like we still kind of live in some shame, we still kind of live in distance, and somehow we settle in like that's normal. So people ask, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing with the Lord? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't really know. See, he wants us to know where we are. That's the point. He wants us to know where we are. And we want to be close with God, right? We want to be close with God. 
Maybe we've slipped away from what it means to even have a prayer life. Maybe, maybe some of us have been Christians in this room. I'm just going to be sort of be candid. Maybe some of us have been Christians in this room for a long time, and we don't even really know what prayer is. Is that fair? Can I ask that question? Well, if you know where you are, if you know that about yourself, you know I don't even really know what prayer is. God loves honesty. Amen. He can help honest people. What does it say? He gives grace to the humble, and the humble are honest. See, you got to know where you are so that you can get where God wants you to be. God wants us to, the third thing, God wants us to take responsibility for where we are. When you know where you are, you can take responsibility for it and begin to walk in the light. And that's where everything changes. When you're in the light, no hiding, no shame, knowing you're in the hands and the care of God who loves you and wants to help you go where he's going and help you be where he is. There's no shame. You're just in the light. You're free. Not perfect, but you're free. You're not in the bushes hoping nobody sees you. You understand? <laughs> I'll do that again. You want me to do that? It was awesome. I worked on that all morning. Nobody did anything. It was awesome. I got to make a few jokes, uh, even though I'm not funny. My kids think I'm funny, still. I think that when teenage years, they won't, but that, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. God wants us to take responsibility for where we are. When God questioned Adam, uh, he blamed Eve, but you know, he also blamed God. Right? He also blamed God. Adam says to God, it's, that, it's the woman that you gave me. In one small sentence, Adam hangs his sin on his wife first. That's a bad day. And what's even worse is God. To blame God who clearly helped him see where he was to go and what he was to do. God told him exactly what he can have. God told him exactly what he was supposed to do and what he, the one thing he couldn't have. And when God comes, he blame shifts. Man, isn't that what we see today? Come on, somebody be honest. You've done some blame shifting in your life. <laughs> That's what we do. I mean, just sort of as an illustration uh, with, with blame, let's say you have like a scale. I know we don't have those today, but if you had a scale and you had five pounds of guilt on one side of the scale, I think what are five pounds of guilt on one side of the scale, what people do, what we do is we put another five pounds of blame on the other side and it equals out. We don't feel it. It's like we, here's the guilt and I'm just going to put some blame and they kind of equal out so I don't feel, but you know the guilt is, the guilt is still there. The guilt is still on the scale and it's still not dealt with. You can blame all you want, but the guilt is still there until it's dealt with with God who is the only one that can extinguish our guilt. He's the only one that can make us free. He's the only one that can take it away. And so we blame and we blame and we blame and we don't feel better. We do for like a little bit, right? Like a little bit of time that blame, that justification feels a little bit better. Not for long though. Because we still got that guilt in here. And there's only one place that we can, that we can get rid of it. I, I worked in prisons, uh, um, not as an inmate. <laughs> Some of us have. That's just where life, where life brought us and maybe where we brought ourselves. But I went into prisons when I was 21 years old. 
I was being mentored by the Seattle Union Gospel Mission Prison Ministry Director. That's the first crazy enough guy to take me on as a mentee. And so I would go to all the major prisons. We started in, in uh, Shelton Correctional Facility, Washington State Correctional Facility, and then we went to like all the other ones. I mean, everywhere. I just went everywhere. Went into the prisons. And uh, we did Bible studies and seminars and one-on-ones and big services. We do four services a day at uh, Shelton Correctional Facility. Anyways, when I went in there, you'd have these one-on-ones. I'd be in a Bible study situation with a lot of people. And every now and again, you'd meet somebody that truly got caught up in the wrong situation and wasn't all that guilty. But you know how many times I'd hear that it was the system's fault, that it was somebody else's fault? I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And every now and then, like, it was like eight out of ten, right? But every now and then, you'd hear somebody take full responsibility for being where they are. And it was like refreshing water o- over my life. I, I, every time I'd hear that, I know why I'm here, and I'm not going to do it again. I'd be like, that's it right there. That's it right there. Is that you take responsibility for where you're, you're not going to go anywhere until you take responsibility for where you are, the, the, the part of where you are that's not where you should be. You're not going anywhere. You, you, can, you can avoid it, but you're not going to go anywhere. Okay? God is the only one that knows how to deal with it. That's why relationship with him is vital. Okay? Can't avoid relationship with him. We should, not only do we want it, it's the longing of our heart, but it's what we actually need. We were created for this relationship. And he, everything that he is, is is everything that we need. When we say yes to Jesus, it doesn't mean we automatically have a developed relationship. We get to steward that relationship. We get to choose how we prioritize our time. I mean, we can't make God speak to us. We can't make God change us. But we can come into his presence where he does change us, where he does speak to us. We can steward that relationship. That's a choice that we have. That's a choice that we have. And I just want to, can I just say one thing like real quickly on this point? We just need to confess our sin. Just confess your sin to God. What a beautiful reality that we get to confess our sin and he forgives us. He forgives us. Don't spend any time avoiding your sin. It is a waste of time. You are just holding yourself back from growing and developing to the person that you are called to be. As a pastor, uh, I haven't been a pastor forever, but one of the things I've learned is that, folks, we lie. You don't want to hear this, but this may be a message from our sponsor. (laughs) We lie. We lie a lot more than we think we do. And it's just time to be honest. He gives grace to the humble. He is so waiting to take us into places that we've never been before. He's like, just get out of the seat, man. Get out of the bushes. Come into the light. It's beautiful outside. Stop holding up inside, right? You, your kids that are in the video game, get outside. <laughs> it's beautiful out there. No, I'm just distracted, overstimulated, entertained by things that are just total insignificance. Go outside. Spend time with your friends. Enjoy the outside and all that it brings, right? The fourth and last thing is God doesn't leave us where we are. Aren't you grateful for that? He wants us to take responsibility for where we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. He just doesn't. I'm living proof of that. 
He confronted Adam to help him to bring reconciliation, reconciliation, or I can't even say that this morning, blame the Seahawks. He blamed, he brought reconciliation to relationship. God didn't come to shame them. Let's just put this in our heart. Let's just absorb this into our heart this morning. God did not come to shame them. He came to clothe them. He came to cover them. He came to forgive them. When he questioned Adam, it was to help Adam. It wasn't to further affirm his shame. It was to help him. Whatever holds us back from walking in the light with God is our enemy. It is our enemy. I think the devil is just beating the daylights out of a lot of folks because we're in the darkness and that is where he lives. The devil lives in the darkness. He lives in the darkness. And if we stay in the bushes and we stay in the darkness and don't come into the light, we're going to get our lunch taken from us and we're going to get beat up every day. And we won't know if it's the devil or if it's our choices or if it's somebody else's choices or if it's God that's going, doing what's going on in our... We won't even have discernment on what's going on because we, we haven't come out into the light. When you come out into the light, I'll tell you one thing, you start learning when you're attacked by the enemy. When Pastor Chris was talking about spiritual warfare, my... my my heart is that we understand when it's the enemy. Some folks are like, well, we don't want to blame the devil for everything. That's true. The enemy's not the one doing all of these things, right? Some folks are blaming the devil, and he's sort of probably just laughing. <laughs> you know, that's the devil out there turning my power off. I was like, no, that's, that's Tom. He's got his name on his shirt. He's from the power company. Uh, and you need to pay your bill, sir. <laughs> it's not the enemy against you, right? So we need to know when the enemy's coming against us, and when it's just us, and when it's maybe somebody else's choice, okay? It's important that we have this kind of discernment, but God doesn't leave us where we are. He, he comes to clothe us. The reality is that Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve blew it. They had everything, but they blew it. And God implemented a plan by sending Jesus to come to forgive us. This is the message, the beautiful message that we believe. In Colossians 1:13, it says, For he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness, from the bushes, from the trees of our hiding, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness of sins so that we could be redeemed back to relationship. Back to relationship. So here's my question. Jesus did everything to get us back to relationship. How is your relationship with God then? If nothing is in the way in terms of on God's side, how is our relationship with the Lord? Not how was it, but how is it? Going into 2015, we're already February here. And I know maybe the year cycles don't matter much to some of us, and that's fine, but I don't want to be in the bushes thinking that I'm in the light. Right? Deception... Nobody wakes up saying, I want to be deceived, thinking things that aren't true, right? You didn't attend the first church of the deceived today, all right? Sort of counterproductive if you did, but God wants to be close with us. I'll just read this to you. The patterns of a distant relationship with God for the Christian are found in the very story of how we were separated from God in the first place. We sin, we feel shame, we hide, we cover ourselves, and we act like everything's fine, and God confronts us to help us own it and choose him again he shows us the way and draws us in to cultivate the most precious thing that we could ever have and do have, and that is a relationship with him, a growing, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the most beautiful thing that we have going for us in our life today. It is the most beautiful thing that we 
have today. I don't want to be, I mean, I'm not even good at being religious, honestly. I just, in the polished part of it, I just am not, this is what we're after. So today I want to ask you the question, and really what I want to ask you, the reason that I even shared this is I woke up in the morning and I heard in my spirit, in my heart, I heard this four times. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I didn't study a message to say something that I thought would be really great. I heard this in my spirit in the morning. I woke up. Where are you? And I have to answer the Lord that question. But I'm giving that question to you. Where are you? Where are you? This is a day and age where we need to know where we're at with the Lord. And that, the old saying, well, I'm saved, I'm doing good, that's, you know, that might, be, that might be the case. I'm not messing with your salvation. If you've believed upon Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, you're his. If you haven't done that, today is your day. Today is a day to no longer mess around. Today is a day to give your life to the one that made you, loves you, and wants to forgive you and get you on the path that he has for your life. We can never do what we're called to do until we become who we're called to be. Or we're just going to be doing to get. So the question that I'm asking you this morning is, where are you? Are you close to God? What's in the way? Are you hiding? Are you covering up? I just want to linger on that for a moment. I think it probably best just to, I think I'm done, what I've, I'm done with what I've come to say. So amen, okay, to that. I'm just going to pray, okay? Just bow your heads and close your eyes so we don't stare at each other. Father, we thank you this morning for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We thank you for what you've done in your son, Jesus. And we just receive that again freshly this morning as we took communion, as Pastor Don led us. We just thank you for the shed blood. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for new life. And Lord, I just pray, like, if we're in the bushes in any way, if we're hiding in any way, if we're self-medicating ourselves, avoiding coming into a deeper, more life-giving relationship with you, I just pray that you would expose the falsehoods that we tend to believe that keep us distant. It's not what we're called to. We're not called to distance. We're called to closeness. And the Lord says to us this morning, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Resist the enemy and he will flee. Draw near, draw near, draw near. I pray, Lord, if that's not our heart, I pray that you would give us that passionate heart. Restore that passionate heart to us to cultivate and develop this life-giving relationship. It's what we were made for and we thank you for it. As we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we see ourselves in there. I pray that we wouldn't blame, that we wouldn't put this off on anybody else. This is where we're at. And blaming anybody else will not help us. You've got more for us, Lord. There is more for us to have. And I pray that every one of us would experience that in an ongoing way. Thank you that you're good. Reveal to us your beauty and your goodness. And where we have false perceptions of who you are, just break them off this morning. Cause them to just fall off of us so that we can run to you. Just want to ask as we do continue to have our heads 
bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you just have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I would go as far as saying you know the story, you've heard it before, but for whatever reason you've held back, I just want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to do that in two ways, and the first way is asking you this question. Is today the day that you're saying that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? It may not be because of my message. It just may be because you sense in your heart that God is calling you and he's, give, he's paved a way in his son Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity first by raising your hand. And I'm just going to wait a minute. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. I just want to see your hand. I want to see that you're saying this morning, today is the day I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give just 10, 15 seconds. Thank you, Lord. Just 10 more seconds. I've seen the two hands. No hype, no manipulation. I'm not trying to make you do this. You're not doing this for me. I just, if it's you today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Today's the day for me. Friend, you can come out of your shame. You don't have to live in it anymore. Jesus came and gave his life so that we could come out of the bushes and live free with God, the one that made us. If today's your day, just have your hand up, raise it. I see five hands this morning. You're not doing that for me. Friends, this is about coming back to your heavenly father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. For those of you that raised your hand, here's what I'm asking you to do. The service is going to close. And as everybody's leaving the building, if you have, this is a moment where you should have just five minutes. I want you to come up and I want you to talk to one of our prayer partners. I want you to tell them what you've done and I want you to pray with them this morning. I'm asking you to take a second step because without the second step, I'm just going to say you need the second step. You need that this morning. You need to take a second step. So as everybody's dismissed, as Pastor Sherry leads us out, I'm asking those of you that raise your hand to, to come forward and pray with us. Amen? Pastor Sherry.